Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 3. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they explore their impact on the world and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris. I play Iolana Makani, the Air Genasi Mystic, and you can find me at Killer on Twitter. Hi, my name is Nate. I play Darwin Grimm, the Human Monk, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Nate on Twitter. Hi, I'm Shannon. I play Aranis Gray, also known as Gray the Great to my fans, and the Bard of the Bard's Rebellion. I am a half-elf bard, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Shannon on Twitter. And you can find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. In the woods just outside Capris, you settle in for the night. So much has happened since the last time you had a peaceful rest. Your trip to Terencia, the Glamour Island, saw the death of Earl Earl and the defeat of Akiri the Ageless. Viscount Alicia, now a river otter, is experiencing freedom and new friends with members of Elizabeth's Scale Force. The destructive acts of the conscription are spreading aided by grim pendants. Further effects of the withering are being discovered by people like Cynthia Garrulus, who now shares even more with Aranus than before. He too has seen parts of himself fall away, his elven gifts growing weaker as his human side grows stronger. But here, tonight, there is peace. A cool wind blows through the trees, the sound of an owl in the distance occasionally breaking the silence. Moon and starlight glints through an ocean branch above the trees. As you all finish recovering, strengthened by your recent hardships, it seems for a moment as if the weight of the world has been lifted. What do you do? I'm opening the floor here for people to start deciding direction, talk about recent events, or go punch some trees, Darwin. I don't know. Ooh, that one. Uh, I'm definitely sitting, like, staring pointedly at the shield, kind of, like, picking at it, like, nobody talk to me, nobody talk to me, nobody talk to me, nobody talk to me. If you're just sitting staring at the shield, that's all you're doing, not talking, Iolana's gonna walk up and be like, hey, uh, Arnis, where'd you get the shield? Uh, uh, Cynthia gave it to me, and his whole face just goes red. Bright red. I really wish we had someone in the group that would mock you or give you a hard time for it, but neither of my characters are going to do it. <laughs> mine neither. All of mine are not here. <laughs> but one of mine is uh, socially awkward enough to be like, <laughs> Arnis, why'd you just turn red? Did something happen with Cynthia? No. Arnis, I'm not, you know, very much a people person, but even I can tell you're not being truthful when you say that. Uh, um, I, uh, I may have, uh, may have kissed her and ran away. (laughs) 
And with that, Iolana's reaction is, oh, okay. And she walks away. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vale, who has been over by themselves, like sharpening a dagger or something, just kind of head turns in your direction. I said what I said, Vale. And shrugs and goes back to what they were doing. Darren goes back to whittling, which is not what he was doing before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. 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 So, Arnis is being awkward over there with Cynthia's shield. Vale and Iolana giving him peace. Darwin whittling away. <gasps> you know, I was wrong when I said that I don't have any characters here to make Arnis feel more awkward. <laughs> hey, Arnis. Thought you were gonna forget. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I've got there's two that I could grab here. Do we want to hear from Cade or do we want to hear from M? Hmm. Gee, I don't know. How about the one you almost broke, Aranus? As you're staring at your shield, feeling feelings, feeling awkward, you hear an out of tune twang from M. Aranus, what was all that about? What was all all what about? All that back at the tavern, you and Cynthia. I thought this was you and me. Not in that same way, but I thought that was... uh, I didn't think that was something you did. Uh, Well, you're right about that. Um, It's uh, it's really really not. I'm not... I'm not actually sure how that happened, except that it just kind of did. I have no explanation. (laughs) Well, then maybe we could talk about something less awkward. Like, are you going to fix me? Yes. I just have to figure out how. Okay. That would be a good first step. Well, you could probably start by, I don't know... Retuning me, replacing the broken string. As for these cracks and this hole where Darwin punched me. (laughs) Forgot about that. (laughs) I don't know, but I am not ready to be put away yet. I want to keep playing and singing. Um, yeah, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on it, but I can start with the strings and stuff okay i'll like set the shield down and go to kind of working on <laughs> okay. that because i'm like really just like picking at the shield to like kind of keep my mm-hmm. hand busy so like it's the same it's the same action really mm-hmm. are you like picking away any of the paint from the shield no or are you, like no i'm just sort of like mindlessly i was just kind of like picking at the like runes on it just to kind of i don't know be doing anything <laughs> mm-hmm. So, this evening, while everybody seems to be kind of doing their own tasks, is there anything else we want to do before morning comes? I don't think so. Mm, no, I think my people are good. I'm good. So, what are these sleeping arrangements like? Is everybody just sleeping on the ground, like by a fire? Is there no fire? Are you up in the trees? I don't sleep in trees. <laughs> I, that question really wasn't pointed at RNS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe that person who is half wind or that person who can run up trees. Yeah, I think Iolana does like 
not sleep in the tree, but like definitely doesn't put like a bed roll down, which is awkward. But they've mm-hmm. been like on an island. They've been in a weird grayscape. Like they're sleeping on the land tonight. On the what? On the on the ground, on the land itself oh, tonight. On the land. And Vale sleeps seated upright with their back against a tree. Okay. If you can call what they do sleep, because they don't sleep well anymore. Oh. All right. Well, then we'll all go to sleep. And we'll all have a nice good rest. Does that sound good? Is everybody comfortable with that? They are. <laughs> yep. Sure. Okay. When you awake, the sun is still not quite yet up. Light is starting to appear from the horizon, but there's a nice fog through the trees. It's nice and dimly lit here. And as you wake and take a look around, you find a modest pile of loot at your makeshift camp. (laughs) Coin purses, simple jewelry, a few sets of fine clothes, and a bottle of high-priced orcish wine. Uh... Everyone else is seeing this, right? Yes, you can all see this. I'm not insane. See what? <laughs> I hate you so much, Darwin. <laughs> um, the second Vale sees this, they like jump up in kind of an instant like fight or flight reaction, mm-hmm. kind of doing the whole like, how did that get past me? How did we get snuck up on while we were out? Like that sort of concern. And attempts to try and see if they can't figure out what sort of creature may have left this loot. Okay. Sounds like Vale's going to do some investigation. Is there anything else people would like to do while Vale is doing that? I want to look at the wine and see if I can tell where it came from. Okay. Darvin? Hmm. Just hmm. You're just staring at it in deep thought. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In which case, let's go to Vale. Make that investigation roll. Oh, well, that's funny. I don't roll less than a 10, but I rolled a 9. So that comes to a 21 investigation. Cool. Um, how are you thinking of recognizing wine? Like, do you want to taste it to see if you've had it before? Or are you just... Uh, yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> that seems like a decent idea. All right. Give me a perception for taste. Sure, I'm all right with that. Oh, that's not so bad. It's not good, though. That is a 14. Oh, that's plenty. This isn't a difficult thing. It's just a matter of, were you forgetful, or did you drink too much that day? Apparently not. Let's start with Vale. Vale, you're taking a look around, seeing who could have possibly uh, snuck into your camp, who could have left you these goods. You're taking a look around, very observant, very detailed look. You see your own footprints, of course. And the other footprints that you see are all animal footprints. Some of these animal footprints are nowhere near recent enough to have been part of this, like old raccoon tracks that pass through here. But there is one set that is fairly fresh, and those would be kangaroo tracks. Uh-oh. Aranus, you take a sip, you recognize this wine. It's been a while since you've had it, but this is Cynthia's like top-shelf orcish wine. Uh... I know where the wine came from. Um, Darvin, can you check on your uh, kangaroo, please? Um, sure, I check on the kangaroo. Do I still have a kangaroo? You sure do. He's right where you left him. 
It's got that one blue eye now, but still just a little ebony kangaroo. Uh, do you want me to summon him? No. No. <laughs> um, we want to make sure we're keeping an eye on that. The only, the freshest tracks that I can discern in here are kangaroo tracks. Okay. In case anybody is curious, no, kangaroos are not native to Sarakar. <laughs> okay. So what are you doing with this stuff? Well, I mean, I already said my bit. They moved on to the kangaroo. So. <laughs> Do you want us to take it back? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it's from her, but I know where it came from. So where did it come from? Well, it's the wine is from Cynthia's bar. Maybe you need to talk to her then. Can you prove that it's from Cynthia's bar? How would you like me to do that? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, does she make it herself? No, but I've had it there multiple times. Not a lot of places to get booze around here. It's not a large town. And I don't know if any of it's from her. I just know that, like, that wine, it came from her bar. Whether she left it with the other stuff, I don't know. Vale continues, you know, says, I think you're, I think you're making an assumption. I don't think that there's evidence that it came from there. Maybe the same vintage of something you drank there, but there many, many bottles of every wine around the world. Okay. But if you want to go see your girlfriend, we can go. I... Wow. <laughs> One, just because you didn't kiss anybody yesterday, there's no need to give me hell for it. Two. Not my girlfriend. Three, we seem to be concerned that someone left something here in the middle of the night. All I'm doing is telling you what I know. I don't know where the rest of it came from, but I know I've had that wine before at her bar. Vale will continue to say, I'm not concerned. My concern is that whoever brought this here was able to get in and out without any of us being awoken. Then do you want me to go talk to her? To think about that answer. <laughs> I don't see a need to talk to her. I just think we need to be more diligent about how we protect ourselves at night, apparently. Can you help me eliminate a theory? Maybe. Just, just so none of this stuff would have been in the kangaroo, right? I'm just trying to, is it possible the kangaroo left stuff we had put in it before scampering away? This doesn't look like stuff we would have put in the kangaroo, right? Well, the stuff also disappears when the kangaroo disappears. Right, but if something had happened to him, like we put someone in there who's not supposed to be in there, then who knows how those mechanics might change, right? I suppose that's true, too. I mean, it's possible? I'm going to go with unlikely, though. Especially because I don't recognize this stuff. But this is bugging me, is all. Unless, I mean, could have taken the stuff out of the boot of holding, but that doesn't explain the wine. We don't keep a bottle of wine in the boot of holding. Is the boot of holding in the kangaroo? No. no still has isn't it. The can oh, the kangaroo isn't in the boot of holding. It's just in your backpack. Okay. I, you keeping bottles of wine in your backpack? No. <laughs> Then, yeah, I, I can't explain that. But also, like, 
I mean, I get it. Today loot, tomorrow somebody stabs us, right? Because that's usually how things work for us. But um, I'm not I'm not sure I share your like immediate concern about that only because like, yeah, they snuck up on us and that's bad. I agree that that's bad, but they kind of, I mean, they snuck up on us to leave us presents. My concern <laughs> is next time it won't be presents. So we set up a watch. Which we didn't do yesterday. <laughs> Yay! Smart us. We for like the first time ever. Ever. We were all just like sleepy time. <laughs> so yeah, we set up a watch. Okay. So what are you doing with this stuff? Are you keeping it? Are you putting it somewhere? Are you burning it all? What's going on? Do you want me to like make sure it's not cursed or something? I'm gonna like do an arcana check. Might be a good idea. See if it's all right, and then we can just like pick it up and stick it in something. I guess I don't know. I will remind you, Arnis, that Arcana check's not going to tell you if something's cursed unless it's like famously cursed. Um. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't. I don't really have anything that's going to tell me if something is is cursed, except to just pick it up. So and then be um, cursed by it. So I. I mean, I at least want to know if any of it's like magical. Okay. So no, it's not magical. Oh, okay. I don't even need to do the arcana. No. (laughs) Okay. Seems normal. I mean, I don't know if it's going to kill us when we touch it, but it's not magic. You touch it. It's not killing you. It's not coming to life and eating you. All very mundane stuff. It seems fine. I already tasted the wine. I'm still here, mostly, I guess. So. Cool. Then uh, I got nothing else. Okay. So again, are you keeping the money? Are you keeping the jewelry, the clothes, the wine? What's going on with this stuff? Yes. I just want to know if you're keeping it or not. Because if you're keeping it, then you get more money and you have a nice bottle of wine. Yes. Okay. We are keeping it. I'm just going to answer because <laughs> I seem to be the one doing the answering. Okay. 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 You going to count that money? Yes. Mm-hmm. I got to ask these questions. The jewelry is all old, like silver and gold type jewelry. Probably hand-me-down stuff. Things people have had for years, if not generations. None of it seems particularly expensive or extravagant. Okay. It's all worth some amount of money. You could probably sell the jewelry for about 75 silver. In the coin purses, though, you find 72 gold and 68 silver. So, all together, like between all of the different coin purses. Uh, the fine clothes. Does anybody want to play dress up in these nice clothes? I want to keep them at the very least. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of very nice dresses, a little bit more warmer weather dresses, and a couple of just really nice men's clothing. Not performers' clothing. Like you could get on stage and perform in them, of course, but they're not explicitly performers' clothes. This is more um, formal wear, like something you'd wear to a really elegant dinner. But it's also a little bit out of fashion. It's a little bit older. Not like a hundred years out of fashion. Probably more like, yeah, like 20 years ago. So it'd be like wearing my flannel shirt from high school? <laughs> yeah, but like your fancy flannel. Did you have uh, a formal flannel? <laughs> oh yeah, a formal flannel. This is more like wearing a suit with ruffles on it. Ah, uh, 1970s prom suit. 70s, early 80s, which I guess is... Uh, over 40 years old now. So 80s wow. is pretty boxy, if you will. 
They were boxy looks in the 80s. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a square. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And this orcish wine is, well, it's open to now, so good luck selling it unless you're going to start your own bar. Oh, I'm not going to sell it. I'm going <laughs> to drink it. Right now? Uh, not for breakfast, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If there's nothing else you're itching to get to, I'm going to say this other thing here. As you're cleaning up from the morning, pocketing this newfound money and jewelry and wine and clothing, everybody roll perception. Aranis. 16. Darvin. 10. Iolana. 15. And Vale. 4. Ooh. Okay. So Iolana and Aranis, as everybody's cleaning up from the morning, tearing down camp, pocketing these goods, the two of you see a red glow moving through the trees, and it is getting closer. What is that? As I point in the direction of the thing I have seen. <laughs> um, um, I say we run. <laughs> Just putting that out there at the get-go. Darwin! <laughs> do you say that out loud? Yeah, I do. Vale, vale looks at you and says, run all you want, I'll stand my ground, and attempts to hide in the forest. How far off did you say we think this thing is? Probably about 50 feet moving through the fog, heading your way. I had a, oh, right. at a slow, steady pace. How bad is the fog? Not terrible. When this gets about 15, 20 feet closer, you'd probably be able to make it out a bit better. You said a slow pace? Like a walking pace. I want to try something. Okay. Uh, first, Vale, can you go ahead and roll stealth so we know just how invisible you are? <laughs> I crit. Nice. Okay, Vale is just, what? Gone. Vale hopped in the boot of holding. Who knows? <laughs> it is, is like, as Vale moves to go hide, Iolano will kind of call out after them. Snake in the grass, which is like, it's like, for lack of a better way of putting it, like an Assassin's Guild play. Oh, okay. Like from the playbook. And she sure. will like ignite her side blades and stand like right in the middle of the camp, like Whoa. ready for what's coming. Okay, Darvin, you want to try something here? Well, I'm okay. all I'm all ready for this. What's going on? So I'm worried a little bit about giving our position away, especially because Vale probably wouldn't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I also figure I could use a better vantage point. Okay. So I'm thinking about running up a tree to get a look. Okay, absolutely you can. Would I be able to do this dexterously, or at least roll to do it dexterously, so as not to give us away? Mm, you want stealth. You stealthily run up a tree? I love it. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> well, stealth is dex-based, so of course you can. Since you have the ability to walk up vertical surfaces, that's not a concern. So just roll stealth. Okay. We can get you silently into a tree. This is great. I got it. 27. Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Nice and quiet. Hey, Darvin. Have some inspiration for this cool moment you just did. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> vale vanishes. Ilana gets psychic knives out. Darwin so, runs up a tree. <laughs> basically, basically, what happens in this moment is this thing starts coming, and, and we all disappear. And I'm just like, how is that standing? <laughs> Why don't we just... <sighs> there... <laughs> all right, it's me and Stabby, I guess. That's, that's what we're doing. And I stand next. I stand next to Iolana, trying to look, in contrast to her, as non-threatening as possible. 
Okay. Darvin, since you're up a tree and you have a higher vantage point, and you can see down through the fog as opposed to trying to look through it all, you will see this first. So I'll give you a moment here in case there's anything you want to do before all of your friends see what this is. Okay. From your position up here in the trees, you can see that this is a person partially aflame and partially withered. Is there anything you want to do as they are getting closer to your friends? Partially aflame like they're on fire? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> um. Not like a big flame, just like a, a gentle flame, like an aura. Oh, uh, okay. So it's not like, okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's what it looks like from here through the fog. Actually, no, Dar- you could probably tell Darvin, especially after some of your recent encounters. This is a withering fire genasi. Okay. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Is there anything you want to do before this becomes apparent to your friends? Um, I don't think I have any way to communicate what I've discovered. That is unfortunately true. I'm just going to try and position myself so that should we end up fighting, I could get off a good dive bomb, which I haven't done yet. Oh, <laughs> okay. Mm, I would love to see that in action. Me too. Okay. So for everybody else, including Darwin, this red glow moves closer and you see them partially aflame, partially withered, and they are humming a simple yet broken tune. As they step through the fog, they appear to be a half dwarf fire genasi with sections of bone plating and a fiery glow around their face like a beard. Seeing Aranus and Iolana, she raises a hand. Hello? Can you tell us, are we near Capris? Uh, yes, it's that way, as I point behind me. Oh, wonderful. It's been a long journey. It'll be nice to finally rest for a bit. If we're, what are you doing out here? It's a, it's a long story. Okay. Take it one you don't want to share then? Well, I mean, not with a stranger. Oh, so sorry. My name is Ingrid Medeiros. You'll have to excuse the, uh, the bone part of me. I assure you I'm doing fine. You don't need to make excuses for that. Part of me was bone too. Was? Was. I and then? used to be more of a half-elf than I am right now. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Is this a secret? Is what a secret? The fact that you used to be more bone. Not particularly. Have you told anybody who's working on fixing this? Who's working on addressing this situation? Oh, uh, hello. Hello, my name is Ingrid. (laughs) (laughs) Um... There's nobody to tell because that would be uh, that would be me and my my friend here. Hmm. <laughs> Yolanda, oh, hello. Looks at looks at Ernest. Like, you know, okay. Um, it's been so long since I've seen an air genasi, and she greets you in primordial. She extends a greeting. Uh-oh. and I would reply back that I uh, I have not traveled far or long enough to have met a fire genasi. Hmm. Well, now you have. And then I'm sorry to see that she has been stricken with the withering. Mm. 
Yes, unfortunate, but something I'm working through. And then kind of knowing knowing that we have support in the woods. Um, can I interrupt you for just a moment? Yeah. Because this may be important. Aranis and Iolana, can you please make a perception roll as you're talking with Ingrid? Oh, I hope you do better than me. I can guarantee you did better than me. Oh, Uh-oh. no. Iolana, what did you roll? I could failed. <sighs> Aranis? Well, mine's not that bad, but it's not great. It's a 13. That's not that great. No. Okay. Anyways, you were saying, Iolana. Oh, dear. Wanting to show less malice in this moment because Iolana feels like more can be achieved that way since she's learned some things from her most recent companions. Dismisses her side blades. Hmm. Okay. Ingrid gives you a smile and like a head nod. Appreciate the gesture. You must understand that, you know, being out here and approached upon instantly triggers a reaction from travelers. Oh, no, I totally understand. Had I felt any danger here, I may have done the same. But you all seem safe enough. Just the two of you? Yep. Yolanda says nothing. Hey, Aranis, you want to roll some deception? <laughs> sure thing. I got a 23. Okay, you're a good liar. I am, I just don't. I know, I know. <laughs> Except when you do. Except when I do. And then you are. Okay. Ingrid says, very nice. The two of you uh, companions, so to speak, like motions her hands together, like more than friends? Nope. There's a, a definite head nod from me, Alana. You mean a head shake? No, yes, shake. That's what I meant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not a nod. It is a shake. I was going to say, you were about to get shake. some big old wide eyes from RNS. Like, the fuck? <laughs> Someone's about to get smacked with a shield. <laughs> I'm not holding it. <laughs> okay. Uh, meant no offense. Two people traveling alone in the woods just didn't want to be intruding on your personal time. Are you, are you traveling by yourself? Uh, no, of course not. That would be, that'd be silly. My partner should be coming along shortly. Ah. She's bringing our cargo with us. Cargo? Yes. Would you care to meet her? Your cargo is a person? My partner is bringing the cargo. Cargo, some of it is people. Not all of it. What? Oh, don't, don't worry. I assure you they are troublemakers. What? Prisoners. You know, people to be brought before the law. So you're a prison transport. So explain to me again who you are. I mean, I know your name. Yes. Why I'm... are you transporting prisoners? It's one of the ways to make money. It's one of the ways to get by, but... Coming here specifically to Capris, uh, at the request of a friend of ours. Jefferson. Perhaps you know him. Jefferson? Isn't that one of the scale force? Jefferson Steely. Yes, he's the Earth Genasi. Yeah. Oh, in fact, we do. Huh. Wonderful. Um, how is he doing? How is it that he commands such power to have prisoners oh. transferred? Oh, no, 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 no. The prisoners aren't for him. <laughs> We just have the prisoners with us. They are for Elizabeth. And what did these prisoners do? Jefferson invited us for a job. These prisoners are agitators and persons of interest. What kind of agitation are we talking about? Fleeing from the law, running from judgment, divine and mortal. 
Okay. And what did they do? That's okay. You don't need to worry about it. You can deal with the withering. We'll deal with the prisoners. Um, nah. What did they do? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to roll some persuasion then, Arnis? Sure. Why not? Oh, ugh. That was almost a crit. (laughs) Um, It is still, however, a 21. Oh, hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. (laughs) You've mentioned your name, right? Or not? No. Okay. Listen, friend, I would love to share with you all of the details. Um, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. They were all involved with helping people flee the judgment of the withering. I know that may seem a little hypocritical given my situation, but I'm ready for my judgment when it comes. I'll answer decorum. Don't you worry. Wait, they, wait, what? How is that even possible? And a cold wind blows through the camp. Darwin, from your position in the trees, you can see this person coming. You look back behind where Ingrid came, following that path back, and you see another person approaching. This person, also a little bit on the short side, but not afflicted by the withering. They are what appears to be a semi-frozen water genasi, as if more of a snow or ice subset of water genasi, I guess you could say. Um, a snow cone or genasi. We, or we could <laughs> just call them an ice genasi, if you want. Not unheard of in the farthest southern reaches. It is very cold down there. And even the water genasis are not immune to it. And with them, floating behind them in a train-like fashion. Five platforms with ice cages on top of them. In one of them, you see what looks like actual cargo, like bags and bedrolls and goods, personal belongings. In the other four, you see people. In the first cage, you see a familiar face. It is Princess Colette. She is very withered, but she is still alive. Wow. In the second, in a giant glass jar, you see a swirling wind that is Horatio, her companion. In the third, you see a sleeping gnome, not withered, which is odd because gnomes are affected. And in the fourth and final one, you see Felicity. What do you want to do, Darwin? I do want to make some kind of a signal. We don't have what do you any want to sort do? of like dangers coming sound. Okay. How about a breakage of sticks? That just sounds like a breakage of sticks, but to Aranis, it may bear the familiar pattern of chest drum <laughs> thumping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if my chest drums were tum 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 tum, I'm like crack 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 crack. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think I think Arnis hears this. I think Iolana hears this. I think Vale, wherever they are, hears this. Uh, Ingrid hears this too, and she is about to turn her head to look up into the trees. Arnis and Iolana, do you want to do anything to keep them from seeing Darwin? Yes. What's the last thing that Ingrid said before that wind happened? Let's see. Um, agitators escaping the judgment of the withering. Don't worry. I know it's hypocritical, but I'll be judged by Coram too at some point. Yeah, yeah. And I and I was like trying to escape the withering. What are you talking about? Like that such a thing isn't possible. Um, 
Roll persuasion to keep her attention from Darwin. That's a 19. Okay, okay, that's good, that's good. So Ingrid begins to turn her head upwards, but... Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to confuse you. They're not escaping the effects of the withering. They're escaping the, the judgment of it. I don't... I don't know if you know, or if your friend here, as she motions to Iolana, knows, but the withering is a death sentence, and people trying to avoid that death sentence need to be dealt with. People who are trying to help others avoid it, dealt with. Who gives you that authority? Coram, of course. You didn't see it before, but now since I think there's lots of tension to go about, let's just see it now. Around her neck, she is wearing a grim pendant. Piece of Darwin. Oh. It was hard to see amid the glow, but it's so there. So you, you think that, as I point at the pendant, gives you authority from Coram? Ah, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> Given to those who do his will. <laughs> you, so you, you talk to him often, then? Often enough. Oh, oh good. And and. Coram himself told you that that gives you the authority to do his will? So to speak. I'm sorry, you'll have to explain that to me. So to speak, either Coram told you that that gives you authority, or he didn't. <laughs> As this beginning of circular logic begins, Yolanda looks to Arnis and asks, do we intend to take back what is your friend's, or are we just going to talk in circles? Oh, no, I definitely intend to take it back. Mm -hmm. I think rather than answering, we're going to be interrupted by the arrival of Ingrid's friend and her floating cages. Mm. And she will use this as a moment to deflect answering. Ah, my traveling companion. Unnamed friends. This is Iskra. Iskra nods just very sternly, very stiffly. <sighs> Are we almost there? Is Capris near? Can I ask a brief question before we move forward? Of course. Has anybody gotten confirmation yet whether or not how Coram feels about this sect of followers? East. Oh, you mean like from Coram himself? Yes. It's like we just got from the last person that like the person that was the chief of their order told them this is what Coram wanted. So we haven't mm -hmm. talked to Coram directly about it. And we don't know if the person in charge talked to Coram, right? I'm right about that. Right, right. right. Okay. We're we're making. You know some. that person is the same person who killed Vale's mother. Yes, mm -hmm. we know that. But other than that, we don't know for sure. But I mean, I this is. We know they're a zealot. We don't know. Yeah, and this is Darwin well, we're talking they're... about. I'm not sure that Coram would give the order to chop up Darwin's leg. Coram wouldn't give the order. I don't think to do anything which would keep them artificially alive, right? So that I'm no. pretty sure is proof that right. But Darwin is also hesitant to talk to Quorum because Quorum did tell him to murder everyone with the withering. So it's a little yeah. Don't really want to open that whole can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we don't know for sure, but we can make a decent educated guess what we're getting down to is they are doing quorum's will but they not think quorum's kind of made it pretty clear anyone with the withering belongs in his realm I to both true. darvin and vale true mm -hmm. and neither of you have really enacted that will nope so 
Sephiroth Earl. Earl. Uh, so, um, yes, that was <laughs> personal, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm having just a mind blank here. Can someone okay. remind me who Felicity is? Felicity Hollowbrook? She is a halfling. She was a priestess of Faevon. Okay, that's uh, who I thought was. Okay. She started hearing back, stopped hearing back from them. Darwin's good friend. And halflings are unaffected? Unaffected, yes. Okay. So then she shouldn't even be there unless she did something else. She was probably helping somebody. Probably. Probably. What? Your friends helping people? That never happens. <clears throat> so, as a deflection, Ingrid introduces you to her ice genasi friend, Iskra. And you can see the five cages that I mentioned to Darwin earlier. Princess Colette, Horatio and Ajar, a gnome, and Felicity Hallibrook, who Felicity recognizes the pair of you, gets up as if to start to say something, visibly like bites her tongue to prevent drawing attention to herself. Good. As, uh, as Iskra walks up, do I see the same pendant around her neck? You do. Okay. It's a little easier to spot on her as she is not a flame. Ah, so that's two bits of my friend you have. Hmm? I'm sorry, what? Oh, did you not know that those pendants that you wore were from a person? Oh, that's what they say. Uh, I didn't bother checking myself. Oh, well, it's, it is true. That's actual human flesh you're wearing around your neck. Hmm. Okay. And? I have a question for you. Hmm. As a zealot of quorum, how do you justify the fact that by wearing that pendant, you break quorum's only true rule? It's not breaking it. It's delaying so that I may serve him better. That's some uh, really great circular reasoning there. That's some high-level obfuscation of his law. You know that people got in real big trouble for twisting his law a couple of years ago, right? It's more than a couple. It's why we only have the one now. I mean, however long ago it was. It's why there's only say, the one rule. I'll say that was about, about five years ago now that the texts were rewritten. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, they've been gone a while. Okay, well... Okay, it was five years ago. You don't think he'd be, I don't know, upset that you're twisting his one and only rule? Doesn't seem to be. He hasn't done anything to us yet. Honey, you ain't dead yet. From what I understand, he enacted his ire in person all those years ago in Karami. Unless divine retribution is just going to fall from the sky, I'm not worried. <laughs> Anyone says, you know, the gods work in mysterious ways, and I believe, while I'm not a follow of Corum, he sent you here to this place for judgment today. I'll be judged. Wait, mm, sorry, Ilana, would you like to roll some intimidation? That sounds pretty intimidating. It is pretty intimidating. Sixteen. 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 Let's see. If I'm to be judged today, I can assure you, I won't be the only one. She says with like a little bit of trepidation in her voice and takes a half step back. And like, you can see her motion to Iskra. Before we attack them, you could just tell them to hand everything over and leave if they want to leave with their lives. Yeah, why not? Well, that's fair. Um, so before 
judgment happens. <laughs> I'm going to give you a choice. You can hand over all your stuff, including those two pendants, and leave this place with your lives. Or you can face Coram's judgment. Your choice. Why don't you roll intimidation with advantage right now? You're building off of Yolanda's intimidation. You're raising the stakes a little bit. You're making demands. Ooh. Ooh. 25. Ooh. I apologize. We seem to have gotten off on the wrong foot. I don't wish to start anything with you today. I could certainly see giving some of this to you, but Jefferson is expecting us. Elizabeth is expecting us. I don't want to disappoint her. She can be temperamental. So perhaps we could make a compromise here. Could give you the boy, as she points to the cage with the gnome in it, the, uh, the cargo. It's material goods. We don't really need it. They just had it with them. Uh, and... Hmm. She looks at the other three. Just in her head doing the math, like, can't really do two and a half out of five here. Mm, the one with the mask, as she points to Princess Colette. Was, okay, wait, let me ask. Was Princess Colette at that meeting that we went to about the withering? Was she there? She was in town. She wasn't at the meeting she itself. She wasn't there. Did we yeah, see she her? She started a party. She's the reason why we had an outdoor street party. She did. Okay. So I would recognize her at the very least and know that Absolutely. she's like somebody that clearly has like influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she rolls with a Kiri. And so like that strikes me as odd that they'd give her up. Like they don't they don't know who they have there. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> they have no idea. However, uh no. What okay then. What else? Well, I want the wind thing, and I want the halfling, and I want your pendants. That's everything. You're terrible at compromise. <laughs> There's no compromise here. I want it all. Ibisiolana <sighs> says, that is not everything, because in giving all of that to, to him, you still get the most precious thing you carry, and that is your lives. Hmm. Okay, well... This is a partnership here with Iskra and myself. I can't make this arrangement on my own. She turns to Iskra. Iskra, they want more. What do you think? Iskra is going to approach the cages. She's going to go to Felicity's cage. Part open the ice a little bit. She's going to reach in, grab Felicity's arm, and she's going to say something in primordial, which Ilana, you'll recognize. She basically says, come to me frigid touch. She's calling on the aid of her elemental companion, like your gentle breeze. Mm -hmm. As she grabs Felicity's arm, that arm freezes solid. Well, that's the answer to that question. She raises her other hand and an ice blade forms at the end of it. What do you do? Is it time? Is that my cue? Go for it. I'm just going to simply say, okay, and do some chest drums. <laughs> Well, let's see what Darwin is doing first. Oh, except that Vale has all those crazy advantages for being the first person to... Earlier than everybody else, but that's okay. Go ahead, Darwin. If Darwin wants to use his dive bomb for the first time, I want to give him a chance to, to shine here. If Darwin wants to take this action. Sure. 
Well, Darwin, why don't you tell us about your dive bomb? Okay, so this comes with the leg sword, which on a hit deals 1d8 plus dex slashing plus 1d6 necrotic. The mm-hmm. dive bomb, when dropping down from great heights, this blade can cause tremendous damage. In addition to the attack, roll acrobatics check, DC 20, and if successful, the attack deals an additional 1d8. If you're making this attack, you will have advantage. Nice! You are stealthy. You are unseen. So the first step is to make the attack roll, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a 21. That'll hit. Step one. Okay, so this will deal the 1d8 plus dex plus 1d6. You should roll the dive bomb. Roll the dive bomb first. I guess it doesn't uh, matter. Do you want to do the dive bomb? Yes, yes, of course. Okay. Go ahead and roll that as well. We can just do all that damage at the same time. Well, I still I have to do the I have to do the acrobatics check first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a sixteen. Mm, nope. Okay. I needed a twenty. Not quite a dive bomb, but this is gonna hurt a lot. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Roll your damage. Twelve damage. Okay. <sighs> all right. Everybody, roll initiative. Okay. Darvin. 12. Vale. 22. Ilana. 10. And Aranus. 18. All right. So Darvin comes diving out of the trees, leg sword first, and slashes across Iskra. She grunts in pain, lets go of Felicity's arm. That arm remains frozen for now. Ingrid's attention is immediately drawn. She turns around, shocked to see somebody fall from the tree and attack her companion. And then Vale, still very much hidden. What do you want to do? Are either of the creatures surprised at this point? No, I think they stopped being surprised the moment intimidations were getting rolled when it's like, hey, we're going to murder you. Yeah, then I'm still going to shoot my crossbow bolt. Neither of them have had a chance to act this combat, so you get that bonus. I get that bonus, at least. I mean, we clearly lost the surprise before Darwin, so... Although I crit, so that's nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Jesus. So it doesn't Hell. really matter that it would have... Ca- yeah. Who are you targeting here? The frost bitch. Okay. Woo! <laughs> those fun words. Right? I mean, they already were anyway. She froze Felicity's arm. So Accurate. 50 damage. <gasps> what? <Fucking hell>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn. Oh my god. Where are you shooting her? In the arm that's currently grabbing Felicity. Uh she let go when Darwin hit her. Oh. But you can hit that arm too. Yeah. That sucked for her a lot. Crossbow bolt out of nowhere, hits her in the arm, she spins around. Falls to a knee, clutching that arm in pain. Anything else, Vale? Going to use my bonus action to continue to hide. Okay. Go ahead and roll stealth. Although, with a minimum of 10, I can't see how you're going to fail. Well, I can see how you're going to fail. Let's roll stealth, in case that one happens. But 33. Not too worried. 33. Good, good, good. <laughs> Fuck. The trees are alive, and they're <laughs> shooting darts. Cool. <laughs> Who's after Vale? Aranus, what do you want to do? Well, I want to I wanna cast Firebolt at Iska. Iskra. Iskra. Sorry. 
No, that's fine. That's fine. By all means, cast Firebolt. That's going to be a 24. That's going to hit. Yeah, I don't do straight up damage like ever. Two damage. That's multiple dice, right? Should be at least two at this point. It's a cantrip. Yeah, but it scales. Oh, as you reach fifth level at 11th. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 3d10. I'm sorry. That was only 1d10. I apologize. I didn't look at the bottom. Because usually when things are like at higher level, but it's a cantrip. So it's like it levels. Yeah, it levels itself. That's why that's such a great little go-to cantrip. Still sucks, though. Nine total. Nine total. On three dice. Doesn't suck so bad when we double it for her fire vulnerability. I had a feeling. <laughs> Arnis shoots off a firebolt, hits Iskra in the shoulder, and you see just this puff of ice and frost fly off. Anything else, Arnis? Uh, I don't think I'm going to do anything. Nope, okay. that's a lie. I'm going to summon Sir Carl Luminous. Nice. Huzzah. Well, then I guess I won't summon my air elemental because we don't need to add two summons to this battle. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Am I... I don't think we're going to need it. Get all would... these bitches up in here. I would summon Pouchet, except that's probably don't a bad do that. idea. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Oh, come on. Bring out Pouchet. <laughs> okay. Tapping your belt buckle. Flash of light. Tunk, tunk. Hail! What foul beasts need felling today? These two are perverting Coram's law. <laughs> Not the strongest argument to make with Sir Carl Luminous, but he sees them. He sees the captives they have. Oh, and they have prisoners. And just like, very well. The first thing he's going to do then is try to shine a blinding light from his mace at Ingrid. And she needs to make a save against this blinding action. He spins his mace around. There's a bright flash of light directed right at her face. And yeah, hits her right in the eyes. She was not expecting a tiny man from a belt buckle. And then a flash of blinding light. So she is seeing stars now, just like rubbing her eyes. This certainly went in a bad way very quickly for this pair. Which means they have to escalate now, rather than try to be nice. So, next up is Ingrid. She's going to do two things here. Two very magical things. First thing she's going to do, motion her hands in a quick pattern, utter something in primordial, calling again on the assistance of frigid touch, and you see an aura of cold air and blue light radiate out from her, spreading 30 feet in every direction. So her, everybody in the cages, Darwin. Darwin, as this blue, as this blue light and this cold air hits you, it feels especially cold. It's not hurting, but it does make you susceptible to more hurt later. Okay. That's her bonus action. And then she's going to use her action action. She's going to reach back into that cage with Felicity and make an attack on her arm. Give me the number on the die. Will do. Will do. Not that I know Felicity's AC, but it can't be very high. That's true. Oh, it cannot. She's a priestess and she is unarmored at the moment. How does a 13 on the die? So cutting words, I'm guessing, is what this is for. Yeah. You know Felicity, you've met her. You know she is susceptible to hurt. All right. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try. Okay. I'm going to use cutting words. Do you have some cutting words? Not really. <laughs> okay. Just really wanted to get away from Felicity. <sighs> I want to say something about like 
like quit being a bully. Why don't you fight the actual fight that's coming at you? That's good. Something like that. Go ahead and roll it. It's a D10 now. Nope. She's going to get hit. What is the number? Three. Ingrid is very strong, which you could probably guess since they captured Horatio, a companion for a member of the Glamour. And Felicity is unfortunately unarmored and has been in this cell for at least a, a while. More than a day. This isn't just like she hopped in there. She's been having a bad go of it. So Ingrid reaches in, not fucking around this time, calls on frigid touch. Her whole hand just becomes ice as she grasps onto Felicity's arm and squeezes. She's going to roll some damage here. Oh, that you don't want to. Oh, mm. um, okay. This attack deals 2d12 damage. I rolled two 12s. Wow. Well, shit. Ah. Ingrid reaches in, grabs Felicity's arm, hears Aranus's words, and just stares at Aranus as she crushes Felicity's arm. There's a shattering of ice, and Felicity screams out in pain. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close, but the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrenpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrenpodcast.com. As always, we want to thank Vanessa Blockland for our podcast art. You can find more of her work on Twitter at Art by Vanessa B. And thanks to Daryl Dibber Reckonos for creating our theme music. You can find more of his music at dibbermusic.com and on Twitter at dibbermusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrim.